The Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with your host, Jackie Pilosoff. No one should have to go through a divorce feeling alone and isolated. The Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast is a production of Divorced Girl Smiling, where every show is 30 minutes aimed to empower you, help you feel validated and understood, and connect you with some of the best divorce professionals in the industry. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and start smiling as you join us right now for the Divorce Girl Smiling Podcast. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Before we get started, I want to take a minute and recommend two Divorce Girl Smiling trusted professionals. They're both attorneys, but they're in different cities. The first one I want to talk about is Carrie Jacobson, who is a divorce attorney. She's also a certified mediator, and she is the founder of Jacobson Family Law out of Columbia, Maryland. Carrie is so experienced. She's so well-respected and well-known in the divorce community. She's been a divorce attorney since 2015, and she's a skilled mediator and collaboratively trained divorce attorney as well. If you want to learn more about Carrie, you can find her at jacobsonfamilylaw.com. I also want to talk about divorce attorney Liz Felt Wakeman. Liz and her practice, Wakeman Law Group, is based in Crystal Lake, Illinois, and they service all over Chicago and the suburbs. And Liz is also so experienced, so well-respected, and just, she's somebody who really is ethical and what I love about her is she's really committed to that and doing the right thing in every case. Her standards are just so high for fairness and the best possible outcome for her clients. So if you want to learn more about Liz, you can find her at wakemanlaw.net and you can find both Liz and Carrie Jacobson in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girls Smiling. So I write a lot of articles that talk about healthy relationships, what to look for, what a healthy relationship looks like, and how to have a healthy relationship. And then my guest today came up with an idea to talk about signs of an unhealthy relationship. And I love this idea because... I believe that our discussion today is going to help people who are thinking about divorce see some signs of an unhealthy relationship, but it's also going to help people who are going through a divorce feel like, wow, that was my relationship. I really am doing the right thing. So with that said, I want to introduce my guest who wrote this wonderful article and came up with the idea. Her name is Michelle Heffron. And Michelle is a certified life, relationship, and divorce coach who helps women navigate through major life transitions, i.e. divorced or suddenly single, with grace, dignity, and love. And Michelle transitioned into coaching after spending two decades, Michelle? Oh, more? Okay, more than two decades in corporate and nonprofit leadership roles where Michelle discovered that she had a passion for mentoring and helping women create the life they desire through and beyond a divorce. Michelle reinvented her life at age 48 after experiencing the trauma of emotional and financial abuse, divorce, and single motherhood. 
and believes that divorce can and should be done differently than what so many of us have come to know. So Michelle's holistic approach to coaching is heart-centered, values-based, and grounded in the principles of energy as our source of being. I just love that. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jackie. So good to see you. And so great to see you. I always love having you on the show. Is this your second podcast with me or third? It's my second. And I'm really excited. And I I just love talking. I just love our talks. It's so fun. (laughs) Same with me, Michelle. I really, really feel that way too. So tell me if you agree with me that people can learn from knowing what an unhealthy relationship looks like, maybe saying, you know, after they're listening to our conversation, oh, that was my relationship. Uh, Absolutely, we can learn through it. And I want to, before I start, just note that I had worked for an organization and we educated young people between the difference of what's healthy and unhealthy in relationships. So as much as I would like that all of this was my idea, I did draw upon a lot of the knowledge that I pulled from that organization. Um, I think we can learn uh, so much from what we see in relationships that are unhealthy because we are in relationships from the day we're born and they're foundational in our lives. And if you fast forward, you know, relationships with our mothers are oftentimes very complicated or our fathers. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. A lot of that is their upbringing and then their generational upbringing. But where I saw the biggest aha moment in my life was after my last divorce, because I've been, I've gone through it twice. Both were very unhealthy relationships. I didn't understand what I was seeing at the time, but it wasn't until I started working with this organization that I actually saw how detrimental the emotional unhealthiness of that relation was. And I've learned so much about it since then and also been able to help educate others on when they can see those red flags pop up in their lives and how it can really affect the outcome of our relationships and even, you know, work relationships or your friend relationships and um, and beyond. And so, but especially in our romantic relations, because really our rem- if you're in a romantic relationship or a marriage the foundation and the health of that relationship is really the pinnacle of making that marriage successful. Well, what I love about you is that not only are you a trained coach, but you live this. And so you have so much wisdom and experience to impart on people who are facing divorce or thinking about it. Yeah. And and in fact, I think it's one of the major reasons I knew I was always very gifted at mentoring people, have been for years and years and years. I didn't realize what I had been doing all along was coaching people. But um, I think when I went through that experience and um, I really believe that there's a through thread of why I've gone through so much and how I've come to where I am, but it is really very much apparent to me that I am here to help other people and educate other people and mentor them through this and know when it's okay to go a different direction or do what they need to do in order to heal, but also self-identify because we all have, we all demonstrate unhealthy and healthy behaviors in our relationships. It's when they're out of balance or one of the 
the unhealthy is outweighing the healthy is where we start to see some real trouble. I'm so glad you said that because I don't want people listening to think that your relationship has to be perfect because no relationship is. But the relationship that is the best is if it's making you happy. And most of the time, like I always say, you should be happy 97% of the time. What do you think, Michelle? A thousand percent. And because, you know, we all don't, we don't all behave the way we want to, or we think we should, or we'd like to see everybody else behave all the time. Okay, that, that makes us human. It's being able to recognize when those things are happening and then course correct from there. And so, yeah, absolutely. Happiness is like, well, it's the key. I mean, right? <laughs> we don't need perfection. We just want to be happy. No. All right. Absolutely. Let's get to these 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship. I'm going to list the signs that you wrote and then you kind of explain what each one is. Okay. Number one, intensity. Healthy relationships thrive on balance and mutual respect. Intensity, however, can become detrimental when it leads to constant drama, heightened emotional states, or extreme highs and lows. Yeah. Okay. Well, gosh, there's so many ways that intensity can show up in a relationship. Oftentimes, one partner might be based on just what their personality is, whatever they want to go, 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 drive, 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 drive. And if they're partner isn't keeping up with that, they'll either try to impart their control on to that other partner to, you know, keep up, or they'll fill their space because they get bored with their partner and they'll have these extremes, right? And so they'll um they'll oftentimes drive a wedge between into the relationship just by the nature of they're so much farther along than their partner, if you will. Does that make sense? Yes. And somebody who's really intense will take an argument and just make it so much worse. Like they're just, their emotions are intense. It's hard to be around someone like that. You know, or they're intensely really happy about something and you just can't even like, okay, great. That's great. But they take it to another level. Yes. And and it's uncomfortable to be with that. I've seen people actually, my ex-husband had this vein that would just pulsate in his head and it was like oh my gosh I just I thought it was going to explode sometimes like it was so intense you could see it in people's eyes sometimes it's like it's like they're possessed sometimes I don't know it's it can be scary actually all right number two possessiveness so you say a healthy relationship values individual autonomy and trust Possessiveness, on the other hand, manifests as an excessive need to control or dominate one's partner. That's kind of like the intensity. Yes, um, and all of these, um, all of these signs, in some way, inter mm-hmm. intertwine, and they're all really based on you know grounded in control, and also fear. And so fear plays into so much. And so. Um, but possessiveness, I see it so often, and it really goes hand in hand. And I know we'll talk about isolation in a little bit. But when some, when a partner is so intent on encapsulating you in a way that you feel smothered and um, not able to breathe, or you can't go for a walk by yourself, 
or you can't, you know, you get questioned when you're at the grocery store and you've spent 10 minutes extra than you need to. I mean, the examples, I wish I just had all these examples flying into my head right now, but there's so many ways possessiveness comes into a relationship and it just feels so stifling. Right. Like people need their freedom and a healthy relationship, you said here, values autonomy and trust. So you shouldn't be like, oh, why were you out with your girlfriend? You usually get home at 930, but it's 11 o'clock. What did something happen at the bar? Did you meet someone? You should have been home at nine like you usually are. Like there has to be a trust. And I think when people are possessive, it's because like you said, there's fear, there's insecurity. And so they want to just control and dominate you. Yeah. I have a client who um, she wasn't allowed to go to a work event after hours because, you know, she might meet someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, my goodness. And she didn't realize that wasn't normal. That's how normalized it had become in the relationship. That is so sad. Yeah. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pillisoff. I'm your host. I'm here today with divorce relationships and life coach Michelle Heffron. And Michelle and I are talking about 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship. We're going to take a short break. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to go over eight more signs of an unhealthy relationship. We'll be right back. When people get divorced, almost always they haven't dated in several years. And the thought of putting yourself back out there can be terrifying. Plus, the way people meet now has changed so much over the past decade. And there are people getting divorced who have never experienced online dating. That is where dating coach Alyssa Deneen can help. Alyssa is a dating coach and also a personal stylist. She started her company, Style My Profile, to help men and women in their dating after divorce journey. She has over 20 years of styling experience and she personally dated after divorce for seven years online before she met her now love of her life. And Alyssa offers one-on-one coaching, but also she has all these packages that you can work with her on. So if you want to learn more about Alyssa, you can find her at stylemyprofilenyc.com. I also want to talk about Phil Legilia, who's a senior vice president for North Shore Trust and Savings. Phil has been in the mortgage industry for several years, maybe decades. And I met him about three or four years ago. And I have to say, from the minute I met him, I thought he was perfect for the mortgage business. He's a great listener, he's smart, he's experienced, and he has this warmth and passion to help men and women that is so sweet and means the world. And Phil is also a divorced dad, so he completely understands what you're going through. So if you want to learn more about Phil, you can find him, as well as Alyssa, in the Trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling podcast. My name is Jackie Pillisoff and I'm your host. Today, we are talking unhealthy relationships, what those look like. And with me to talk about this is a great guest, certified life relationship and divorce coach, Michelle Heffron. And Michelle, 
I want to move on to number three because I think it's really one that is very um, obvious. Betrayal. Of course, that's not going to be healthy. But what do you mean by that? Well, uh, betrayal is a big one. You're right. And of course, trust is the cornerstone of any successful relationship. And when betrayal comes in a number of different ways, um, we we often think of it as, um, you know, somebody having an affair or, or going outside, you know, anything that erodes the trust in your marriage or your relationship. Well, cheating, that that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. But betrayal, there's other things that could be betrayal. There's many things that can be betrayal. Um, just even choosing what to say and or not saying something is sometimes betrayal. It's not disclosing the truth. Um, and some of these betrayals can hurt so badly. It literally feels like someone is ripping out your heart. And I don't say that lightly because it is one of those things with many people that I see is that it's that's what's the most hardest thing to overcome is a feeling like a fool for trusting but then B, thinking that that person that you love the most is hurting you so badly by this behavior that you can't even, you can't even function sometimes. And I, I mean, you know. Wow, Michelle, that's really deep. And I was thinking of trying to come up with examples. Like, let's say your husband has a gambling issue and he gambled away your kid's college fund. I mean, yeah. Talk about ripping your heart out, you yeah. know, so that's betrayal. Betrayal could be financial, cheating. So and, many. I mean, you know, you know, so many different things. It is, I, I mean, I just know of so many. One of them is just really the, um, the art of hiding, like you were saying that this gambling problem, but there's so many addictions that can be so easily hidden. Right. And when it, and it, you, it'll be found out sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And you really cannot believe that that happened to you. It's like somebody is living a double life in your own home. I could see that. Yeah. Number four, isolation. Isolating a partner from friends, family, or support networks is a classic sign of an unhealthy relationship. I see this one so, so much. I've seen it in my family. I've saw it in my first marriage. And it is, I, I try to explain to people that when somebody is isolating you away, you know, from your friends and family, it happens bit by bit. It's these little itty bitty chips that you don't think are very important, but over time, the entire tree comes down, let's say, right? And then all of a sudden, you haven't spoken to your best friend in 10 years, or you haven't been to a family function at all because you've been pulled away um, bit by bit. I think it's one of the most terrifying. I was going to say abusive. abusive. It's one of the most abusive things a person can do to their partner. Yes. I'm going to give my listeners an example. I know this woman whose husband said, I don't want you talking to your mother anymore. So the mother must have said something bad about the husband and now he, all of a sudden, and she chose to stay in her marriage and not have a relationship with her mother. Now, right. I lost touch, so I don't know if 
that's still the case. This was a few years ago. But can you imagine a man telling you not to talk to your mother? I mean, that is the most abusive thing I have ever heard of in my life. And it's so much more common than you might think. And the, and the reason, too, that people choose to stay, that could be an entire episode all, all on its own, is because, as we know, Jackie, it's much harder to convince yourself that you're not crazy in this situation and that there is light at the end of the tunnel if you were to leave. But making that decision to go is probably one of the hardest decisions anybody can make. And this is why I do this work, because I can see that helping people see the other side of what their life could look like is part of helping them create a vision for what else is possible without um, without this heavy cloud of abuse. And I don't use that word lightly. And people don't like that word because it, it feels physical to them. But Emotional and financial abuse are very serious and, and they, very common and very common and, and they, they can hurt as much as a punch in the face in ways that we don't understand if we're not in it. Absolutely. And I think you hit on something. I read a lot of articles that are like what to expect, what mm-hmm. to expect when you're expecting a divorce, 12 things you can count on that are going to happen in your first year of divorce. And the reason I write so much like that is because when people know what to expect, just as you do in your coaching practice, Mm -hmm. it makes divorce much more manageable, doable. Okay, I can do this because someone's telling me what my life is going to look like after or telling me what the process is going to be. Because when you don't know, that's when the biggest fear creeps in. Yeah. What we don't know, we don't know. And so I just think so much of the words uh, knowledge is power and and helping people step into their power, especially after they've been in some of these unhealthy situations is critical to getting them through to that next step into life beyond, which is so important. And I want to tell my listeners, if you go to Michelle and she's coaching you, And she starts to show you what your life could look like based on your conversations and listening to what you want and your your what you see your life looking like and you helped craft that. It's not going to be exactly like that, but it's going to give you this inspiration like, wow, it's not going to turn out exactly like you plan it. Nothing ever does, but it will it will give you the big things to give you the courage to make the right decision. What should I stay or should I leave? Exactly. And I have to tell people, I'm a living example of this. Now, I could have gotten here a lot faster had I had a little <laughs> help along the way. Yeah, I didn't realize there was help available. Um, but I am a living example of this because this is exactly so much of this is what my life was. And it's nothing like this now. But I didn't realize that it was all possible back then. Wow. Number five, manipulation. Manipulation involves the use of deceit, guilt, or emotional pressure to influence the behavior of a partner. Oh my gosh. And now all of these are so important, but manipulation is huge. And I have to say on this one, um, we manipulate in many ways. We manipulate um, by holding off and not disclosing information until we think it's the right time. So that's being dishonest. So there's a lot of ways manipulation plays into both sides of a relationship. But 
biggest ones is, you know, um, and this really gets back to a lot of the control and um, the gaslighting piece of manipulation is probably what I see the most is really um, someone trying to minimize your feelings or, you know, essentially telling you you're crazy, that that's not how it really is. And then people start to question themselves. This involves a lot of passive aggressive behavior, um, lying and blaming the other person for making them feel this way. And there's just so much that goes into this. And, uh, and somebody who's a very, very crafty manipulator knows what your weaknesses are and really uses those against you in a very um, strategic way, right? Absolutely. So I had this boyfriend once who cheated on me. And at the time, I didn't know he was cheating. And when I asked him about it, he would say, please don't be that insecure girl. You're so confident. That's what I love about you. Why are you acting so insecure? So when I actually found out about the cheating, I was so happy that it wasn't me. I knew it. So now I always tell people, if you think he's cheating, you're not insecure, you're right. That I mean, really. It's huge. And um, I really think you need someone helping you through to see that who isn't who isn't just, you know, your best friend or something, because it's easy for our friends and families to insert their opinions sometimes. But when you have knowledgeable, trained people helping you to see beyond what that is, it really becomes more of an aha because it's not judgment based. It's right. really based in the facts. You're objective. Exactly. You don't, you don't say, well, I love so-and-so. Come on. He didn't mean it. He's a good guy. He loves you. Do you really want to be divorced? Come on. You can work it out. Oh, and how- your best friend says to you, yeah. but your divorce coach or your therapist will listen to you and they're completely objective. They're, they don't know the guy. So right. they're going to give you such better advice. Well, and help you see your own solution to the problem. Yeah. Number six. Okay, this is big. Sabotage. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe that there are certain couples who are in unhealthy relationships where the couple is like competing. So if like a woman gets a big job promotion, the husband will like either make fun of it or not even celebrate it or he's like jealous of it. Right. And so healthy relationships, you're building your spouse up. You're so happy for them. Yep. That is so true. And oftentimes we think of sabotage as this self-sabotage and what we're doing to, you know, ruin our own selves or whatever. But in sabotage like that, it is so based in that jealousy piece of it. And I see it on on both sides, you know, because all these behaviors can show up in in either spouse, but in particular when, um, and I, I, I remember living this as, you know, being, growing to the top of my thing. And my husband at the time was like, that was making him feel uncomfortable and he didn't like it. Or he would And you say, know why, Michelle? He didn't like it because he maybe was afraid that you were going to get so successful and leave him. And that is the scary part. Like, I would have loved for him to sit. Well, I mean, I didn't know him. So, but you'd probably still be married if he was like, 
Honey, I'm so proud of you. I want to take you out to dinner and celebrate. I am so happy for you. You seem so happy. If you're secure in the relationship, you're not going to sabotage. Absolutely. I think that is one of the biggest things. I had a thought that just flew right out of my head there. But that is so true. It's really being grounded in, in your own security so you can applaud that other person and and I see it, you know, in younger people a lot too, you know, oh, I know what I was gonna say, but you know, if somebody's really smart and they're very book smart and they have this. And so then it becomes, that was part of the appeal at the beginning, but then it became part of the agitation towards the end. Or if somebody, I see this in so many people, especially in my life coaching work, is where one partner is growing and becoming a different person through this and really improving them their own selves and the other partner isn't going there. And either they're going to come along with them or they're going to go in the other direction because they don't see it the same way. And so oftentimes we see that when one one partner is really growing and, and spending time on their, their own well-being and their own self. And the other person isn't. And yeah. I'm not a therapist, but it's not too hard to figure out Maybe the other person has such low self-esteem that they're seeing the person become successful and they're saying, well, I don't deserve to be with her or him. I don't want to make this seem like it's all one-sided. Exactly. It happens to both. But, you know, maybe maybe the woman's like, well, now this guy's too good for me. He's just got three promotions at work and what am I doing? I'm still in the same position. And that comes from somebody's own insecurity. So if you recognize it, you won't try to sabotage your spouse. All right, number seven, guilting. Yes, okay, now we see guilting a lot and it kind of goes hand in hand with manipulation in a lot of ways is, well, you know, you're not gonna, you know, leave me tonight because, you know, I'll miss you if you go out into that thing with your girlfriends or, Oh, gosh, there's just so this many. This is the fourth night this month that you've had girls' nights. Yeah. When are we going to get, like, do something? Or, you know, you've been spending so much money. And, you know, why are you spending so much money? I mean, don't you care about sending our kids to college? Why did you have to go out and buy a new pair of jeans? Yes. Or you know? I, I remember, I remember my, my, if I put lipstick on. Uh, for uh, and I I am as girly as you can get. I love all that. I love the makeup counters. I'm just gonna say it. It's it's something I really love. You wouldn't know today, but um, all I that, think you yeah. look really pretty, <laughs> and I think you have lipstick on. I do. <laughs> well, I got that from my mother. <laughs> Doreen always wore her lipstick and had her eyebrows done. So you know, some things just stick. Love it. Uh, you know, I think it was. You know, you would say, well, are who are you all spruced up for? And didn't you feel like saying you, you idiot? I mean, what? what yeah. What? Like, Dumbass. <laughs> but like, that's part of it. You probably wanted to look nice. My mom always used to say like, make sure you look nice for your husband when he gets home. And I would like roll my eyes because I had two little babies. And but she was like, Put a little lipstick on. Oh, my you mother know? was so like your you mother. <laughs> but it's true. And so the part about the guilting, it just is so sad because a lot of these women will put lipstick on for their husband and the husband 
is like all suspicious. Okay, we're doing it for you. I mean, we're doing it to feel good about ourselves and for work and the way we present, but we're also doing it for the guy. Hello, 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 right? (laughs) All right, number eight, volatility, marked by extreme mood swings and unpredictable behavior. Yeah, these extreme ups and downs we see sometimes um, are confusing to the person who it's happening to because there's this moment where everything is wonderful. He's bringing you a glass of wine or coffee in the morning and love, 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 love. And then there is this, I just remember thinking, oh, he's on his way home and what is it going to be? You know, it would be this like, clean up the house, everybody, quick, get in your spots, make sure everything was right because, you know, he would come in the door and we didn't know what kind of mood he would be in. So you don't, you know, you go from these extreme lovely times to these just really dark places. Kate, it's like a roller coaster. Michelle, I experienced that too. And, you know, I had to go get like a upper GI scope because I had the worst stomach pain and then it went away when the relationship was over. Yeah. It, you so, know, I got, go. I got pneumonia at my first marriage. It happened so badly. I got pneumonia and I was, I was so, so, so sick, but it was just, I was just worn down with trying to right. keep Your up. immunity was right. gone because of the stress. Yeah. All right. Number nine, belittling. So this is a form, I believe, of emotional abuse. Absolutely. It's really about these little comments that come out that put you down. And it happens often when you're in social circumstances and more severely when you're alone and other people aren't hearing what's going on. And I found that to be such a... And we get back to that chipping away. It just happens over time. And you just start to get numb to it and think, this is normal. I must be this crappy little human here, you know, who doesn't, I don't, I mean, it just, it it wears you out and you become a shell of who you were because you don't even know who you are anymore. So sad. Yes. But also belittling is... Like I was with someone who used to make fun of me. We'd go out to dinner with these couples and he'd be making fun of me the whole time and everyone's laughing. And I'm like, what am I like the big joke? And then somebody said to me, that's a form of emotional abuse. He's like a, humiliating you in front of friends. And it was it was terrible. And I didn't even realize it till years later. You don't. And this is like I said, I mean, I really wasn't even aware of all these things happening. I knew something was wrong in my marriage, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to label it with any of these. And when you start being able to identify what's happening, you start being able to look at it more objectively rather than emotionally. And um, it's another starts- benefit of going to a divorce coach. Oh, they can bring it out. They'll make you realize what was going on. Yeah. All right. We're so running out of time that I have okay. to get to number 10. Deflecting responsibility. Okay. You know, I'm a huge, and this is a learned thing for me, huge on taking responsibility for your part in any situation. And um, we all have it. We all should take or can take personal responsibility. But when you are deflecting um, or when, when deflection is happening, it's really it's really letting anything that's coming at you 
bounce back off and then putting it back on that other person. So gosh, what's an example of it? I mean, it happens in work situations quite a lot, but in marriages often it happens because it's almost like when you're getting back to the gaslighting um, that we talked about earlier, it's it's turning a situation that you're clearly at fault in and pointing to something in a different direction. It's like squirrel and, you know, in that with the dog, you know, you're, you're redirecting the conversation so it's not hitting you. Right. I love people who look in the mirror and say, wow, I was a shit. I take responsibility for doing this. I'm sorry. This was my fault. This one's on me. I love people like that. But there's a lot of people who can't do that. No. And a mistake. And so when you start getting good at kind of seeing where you're making a mistake, it's easier to course correct from there. Absolutely. But if you're not willing to even see where your part is in any situation, then you're just going to go farther down that path of, well, it worked that time. I guess I can do it again. So it's it never leads to good things. And I know how hard it is to take personal responsibility because it might make us not look like in the best light, but at the end of the day, it's the truth really that sets you free. And if you're able to take that on and take that responsibility, then you get to move past it and then do better next time. And not only will your partner love you more, you'll love yourself more. Oh, a thousand percent. Because we're all human. We all make mistakes and we forgive ourselves, but just fess up. Okay, Michelle, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. I loved your article. I loved our conversation today. Tell my listeners, if they like what they heard, where they can find you. Oh, my goodness. Well, I would love to have you all uh, visit my website. It's uh, www.michelleheffron.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-H-E-F-F-R-O-N.com. You can uh, book a personal uh, consultation with me. It's free. And just to, um, you know, get to know me and see what I might be able to offer you in your particular situation. I have a podcast called Getting to the Heart. And you can also find me on social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also find Michelle in the trusted professional section of the Yes, yes. Thank you, Jackie. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Michelle. So what I want to say in closing to my listeners is that I'm going to use the rest of Michelle's article. She wrote this. Everyone deserves a healthy relationship and recognizing the signs of an unhealthy relationship is the first step toward fostering a positive, supportive connection. So with that said, Michelle and I both wish everybody a healthy relationship, whether that's repairing your relationship that you're in now or moving on and meeting someone new after your divorce. So if you want to find trusted, vetted divorce professionals or listen to more podcasts or download my mobile app or read more articles or sign up for my free consult, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you real soon.